You are listening to the Gehenna Gaming Podcast, where we explore traditional tabletop and live-action role-playing games through the lens of horror. A special thank you to our Patreons for helping make this podcast possible. Settle in, Thinbloods, grab a drink in your favorite set of dice, and let the darkness consume you. Well, welcome everyone to the Gehenna Gaming Podcast. I am Def Malkavian, and with me today is my co-host, Mark Josius. Hello, everyone. And we are going to be interviewing the lady gamer herself, Clara Hersher Horble, uh, freelance writer and storyteller, LARPer, as well. Uh, Clara's work can be found in a plethora of Onyx Path publishing books from Mummy, the second edition, uh, Contagion Chronicles, Dark Eras 2, Subterra, Vampire the Masquerade, fifth edition, primarily and most importantly, the wonderful supplement, The Sacrifice, which is in Chicago by night. Uh, she's also written for Cult Divinity Lost. You can run, find her running scenarios or playing them with Red Moon role-playing. Most recently, the Chronicle, The Family, from Cults of the Blood Gods. You can learn more about Clara's work on her Patreon and YouTube channel, as well as find her over on Twitter. Thank you for joining us today, Clara. What an introduction. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I'm just going to hand you a tiara now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you might as well. <laughs> I mean, yeah. So, thank you, guys. It's, uh, it's great to be here. Yeah, oh, we're glad to have you. Yeah, we we kind of consider there's, there's a, a few pillars of the tabletop horror tabletop uh, gaming community that are uh, kind of ubiquitous, and you would be among those. You're all over the place. I don't know how you sleep. Somehow you do. Maybe in a coffin. Sleep? What? What sleep? I don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it, and you've got a very busy uh, professional career as well, and it uh, it just kind of worked out. You had uh, some time off. And I'm so glad that you reached out and you were definitely on our list of priorities. I know we had, I joked about with you earlier, we had to get Matthew Dawkins on twice. Ugh. <laughs> what were you thinking? You know, oh, we love Matthew. Uh, uh, your loss. <laughs> I kidding. know, right? I mean, <laughs> in hindsight. Uh... <laughs> no, to be honest, like Matthew is such a great guy to work with. He is uh, one of, he is the best developer I've ever worked on, which is great because he's, you know, the developer who's been on the most books I've written for. So he's great. So I, I, yeah. I get that. I get the need. You guys seem to make a really good team too. When, it's, when I hear you talk together on different podcasts or even just um, your work on Red Moon, it seems like you guys have a great professional and just friendship, you know, and I think it makes mm. working together and the things you work on come out much more, um, I don't know, just better all in all. In, all, in all. For sure. Like Ma Matthew and I have known each other for many, many, many years. Um, so we just, we've always, um, we've always been friends and, and yeah, we just, we are a good team, both when it comes to friendship and, um, and professionally, especially we know each other. Yeah. Yeah. That helps tremendously because you can, you find a shorthand an ability to kind of go back and forth and say, all right, you, we, if you're, especially if you're developing content, a, a game, you know, a particular piece of, of writing, um, it, it's probably easier for both you and him to communicate back and forth because you know each other so well. Uh-huh. Yeah, it, it definitely is. It, it does. A, it makes a big difference because we, we know how to push each other in, in certain aspects. He knows how to, um, to make me a better writer. Um, there's a lot of benefits that comes with it. Oh, I bet. Um, you know, we're, we're fortunate that when we started up this, uh, we did it with our friends and, um, I think it's, it's helped us tremendously. Uh, it makes running a business and running, um, everything we do, whether it's from social media, cons, writing projects, um, 
just so much easier because it's it's fun. Um, it just everything comes natural, you know. Right. Yeah. At the same time, you're kind of running a risk because you, in a professional environment, you have to be able to tell each other when something is good and something is less good, and yeah. um, that will sometimes affect a friendship. Um, so it, it it definitely is a risk. But it, if it picks up, it's great. Absolutely. So you mentioned that you've you've known Matthew a number of years, um, which means that you've probably been um, in the tabletop gaming and writing community for uh, quite a while. I wanted to ask you, how did you first get involved in tabletop gaming, and uh, how did it eventually go into writing for these games? Oh, that's a yeah, that's a good question. How did I get involved? I think. Um... My first experience with role-playing games was um, live-action role-play. Actually, I'm that generation. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And and especially in Denmark, we have a big uh, live-action role-play scene. And um, one of my first LARPs was actually a Vampire the Masquerade LARP. That was... um, The setting was in the 80s. Oh, so Um, cool. Yeah, yeah. It was legendary. People still talk about it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I was 15 maybe um and that was kind of where i got the taste of what a role-playing game is um and i hadn't really read the book i didn't really know anything about it so i just went with the flow and that was how i was introduced to to role-playing um wow yeah and and then um you know years go by and i've always liked to write I, ever since I was a child, like I was one of those nerdy kids that would like, if I read a book, I would make a book report on it, even though my teacher didn't ask me to. <laughs> so I could just whip it out. Like when my, if my teacher needed something, I'll just, um, it's already ready, Mrs. Yeah, extra um, credit. Here's an apple. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, but I never thought myself as an, as good enough to be a professional writer. And I never really wanted to be an RP. Like, it's not that I, that I worked towards not being an RPG writer, but it was never like a big dream of mine, which which I guess if you're hearing this and that's your dream, it must really suck to hear because <laughs> you know, people some people are just given these opportunities and and I was. I was given this opportunity actually by Matthew Dawkins. Um he's he uh, read some of the things I've written for um some some stories I've actually written and he um he said, Hey do you wanna do you wanna submit something to the um to the Onyx Path, uh, you know, writer submission, and I was like, "Yeah, but I'm not good enough." <laughs> so, but he was he was convinced I was, and and he he proved me wrong, I guess. Um, That's so great. Right. What was the yeah. what was the writer submission? What was the, what was that about? It was oh my god, <laughs> it was <laughs> a discipline for oh shit, I think I have was it V twenty? No, I think it. Uh, I think it was was it second edition? I can't remember. Oh wow! But it was Vampire the Masquerade. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I'd never written anything like it before. I was so confused. Um, <laughs> probably but I was super nervous. I was like, but at the same time, I was so convinced that I was never ever gonna get on a book. Book. So I was like, whatever. I'm just gonna write this and get rejected, and life goes on. <laughs> yeah. What did you um, lose? Right. Yeah, right. like it is, no. yeah, for sure. Yeah, and and uh, he said that it was it was good, and he got me my first gig. So and it's just super expanded cool. ever since. Yeah, 
And I mean, it's it seems like that's um that's a barrier of entry for a lot of people. They, you know, at at one point, do you say like I am <laughs> I am this good to do that? I think those who are writers are like always questioning the quality of what they do. And oh, yeah. I only started writing um, because I got into storytelling, and right. I got I got the bug for it. Now I I do want to submit things to Storytellers Vault or Onyx Path or different things, um, just because it's it's already what I do naturally. So why not? You know. You know. I wonder if I wonder if it's if it's harder or easier now. Like it's easier to get your content and your your stories um, and your your usable guides out there with like things like the Storytellers Vault, but at the same time, does that add a certain barrier, an additional barrier to entry for like submitting to, you know, companies like Onyx Path or, or any other company who's kind of looking around, like they go, okay, well, we have a plethora of people who are writing for the Storytellers Vault. Um, and we can take a look there, I guess, but pretty much does, does it make it, do you think, Clara, does it make it easier or harder? Or what, what's your, how, you know, it sounds like the Storytellers Vault wasn't really a thing when you're when you're submitting. So what's your opinion on that? I mean, I think it makes it easier, to be honest, because first of all, if you want to be a, a, an RPG writer, if you want to write on a, an official book, first of all, it is a great way to practice writing and setting up a book and getting your story out on paper where it makes sense for the players. Um, so it's a practice. And second of all, this is a reference. So if you ever want to actually make a submission, you can say, hey, I have written so many things for Story Cells Vault. Here are some examples. And that is gold. That is yeah, it's like your portfolio. very important. Exactly. Because it shows that, you know, first of all, you can write. Uh, you don't have to be an expert. You don't have to be an expert in English. I'm not. My I'm Danish, so I, I make a lot of like English mistakes. But as long as you can write something that's comprehensive, you can deliver on time, and you can follow guidelines. That's actually the most important thing. And and creativity and good ideas is also important. But that's something you can practice. That's something you can practice your way out. But if your work moral isn't there, that's gonna be hard. So having that example and presenting that to a company is is super essential. So I think it's it's a great thing. And I always tell people who wants to become RPG writers, go and write something for Storytellers Vault because you can present that to us. Yeah. Yeah. And it seems like um, I thought it was really helpful. The dev diary that Matthew had done for um, the Onyx Pathcast going through the process of, uh, I want to pitch this idea all the way to, hey, I brought all these writers on board. Um, our word count, you know, we were able to squeeze a bunch of stuff in, you know, this is what it's like working with a bunch of freelancers that, you know, you've kind of handpicked because you know how you work with certain people. And, you know, when you get the opportunity to, you know, kind of be in charge of something and bring the right people on board, it, it was very eye opening to the process. And it's like, wow, you know, that that's not as complicated or scary as a lot of people who are trying to get into that for the first time may have originally thought. Um, no, so no, I thought no. it was really encouraging. Yeah, for sure. Like the, the good thing about Storytellers Vault is you are the boss. Like it's your decision. You can show that you can actually create a project and make it good. And that is so good. It's such a good tool to have in your tool belt. Um, I love that you, you said that because it's true. Yeah. I mean, it's, you don't have a develop, like if you work for Onyx Path or any other RPG company, um, you you have a developer 
and he is going to tell you what to do and what not to do or give you at least guidelines. But if you write something on your own, make it work, that is amazing. I've never done that before. I've never written anything for Storytellers World. I want to when I have time one day, but um, it's it's a great opportunity. It gives you a lot of freedom. You know, on the, retrospectively, on the kind of flip side, you also are getting an opportunity to work with the team, to work with pro- with a project manager, um, you know, a creative director, someone who can help you kill your darlings a little bit. Um, and I'm I'm wondering if that if that helps to improve things and and further develop kind of a seed of an idea, which would have been an afterthought at first if you're doing it all by yourself. Yeah, I mean, it definitely does, and it helps restrict you. I think that's what we see sometimes with new writers that are so eager to have their idea like maybe they've had this idea about a certain vampire for like 10 years and maybe they've tested it in several games and it works and they just want to get this in a book but it doesn't work it just doesn't work for the book and i think that's what we see with a lot of new writers where they're like i really want this idea can i please have this idea and sometimes you'll just get a hard no yeah and that's something you you have to just deal with if you yeah. are a writer on a book, because it's not your book, it's not your product, it's not your game, you're writing for a company, you have to follow the guidelines. That yeah. said, if you have a good developer, there's always an opportunity to talk things through and send them an email and be like, I really want this to happen. Can we make it happen in some way? And mostly they will try to help you and make it fit into the setting. Right. And today's no could be tomorrow's maybe, even if it's yeah. not the same project. You know, exactly. if you do... Um, work as a team well and collaborate and kind of fall in line with how the developers visioning the book, um, you might get invited on the next one where that character idea works out perfectly for that narrative. Um, So, I mean, that's kind of like the long game. I think some people in their own planning stages um, who are not in charge of the process have to kind of keep it back in their mind, right? Yeah, they do. Definitely. Like, if you have a good idea, don't don't scrap it just because it doesn't fit into the first book you're writing or, or the book you really wanted it to be. And don't scrap it. Just keep it on, you know, the back burner and, and, and maybe it could be used some other day. Are there any, are there any characters or concepts that you <clears throat> did at a certain point say, okay, well, we'll get to shelve this, this bad boy for, for later. Um, or just say, well, okay, that didn't work. I'm just going to trash it. But it, something stuck in your mind and stood there for a little bit. Um, Were you ever able to kind of bring in some of those old characters or old concepts that you thought were going to go into the trash and ended up actually in a final version of a book? I would say um, this is again from like my LARPing time. Yeah. I would, I would always play um, characters that were very oblivious to the vampire world because I always thought that it was, there's an interesting contrast between humanity. And if you're talking about vampirism or even werewolf or any other like supernatural world, like how would, what would be a natural human reaction to this? So I would always create ghouls or neonates or fledglings or, you know, something, someone who's very new. Um, mm-hmm. And I wanted to bring that into a book. And I think V5 presented me with that opportunity because V5 has such a, a heavy focus on on humanity and humans um, and the battle between humanity and the beast. Um, so I've always wanted, I had this concept, maybe not a character, but a concept I wanted to get out in the world. And that that I've definitely scratched that itch with, uh, with V5. Excellent. No, all good points. And 
Um, so speaking of V5, with both your work on Fall of London and Chicago by Night, were there any NPCs that you were able to submit and create that we may have seen that, I mean, obviously, I, I honestly love the Chicago by Night uh, Kindred. Um, I've talked to some of the other developers on them. Like, um, I think it was Crystal Mazur was talking to me about Sierra Von Buras, who's a character I really enjoy. Um, okay. were, th were there any characters that you had submitted that made it into the book? I mean, yeah, I, uh, I, I created Sierra and I created Melancholy. Um, awesome. Yeah, and I created, uh, well, almost all of the characters in, uh, in The Sacrifice. There were a couple of, of characters I didn't create that was like from previous, the previous books or someone else yeah. created them. But Sierra and Melancholy were, well, mine and, and Matthew Dawkins' inventions, but uh, the concepts came from, from me. Uh, I wanted, what I wanted to do with that book um, was show how Clan La Sombra can be played in two completely different ways. You have the asshole Malenkov, like the oh, one no it. one wants to spend time with at all. And yeah. I really, I wanted that to be so crystal clear. I, I was like, how can I create this person as vile, disgusting, horrible uh, as I possibly can? And then on the other side, we have Sierra, who is smart, cunning, you know, intelligent, um, someone who would actually friend like... Yeah, even somewhat friendly. Yeah, exactly. You know, inquisitive. So what I wanted to do was just kind of squash all of these ideas you have of who is Clan La Sombra. Because if they're going to be a mob, you know, basically a, a Camarilla clan, uh, sorry for the spoilers, um, you need <laughs> it's been, to know... It's been a while, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> you need to know um, that you don't have to play them in one specific way right. um you can actually play a friendly sane normal somewhat uh sombra character and you can also go in the other you know completely other direction and just play someone who's batshit crazy so that's what i wanted to do with tiara and malakov and it's funny because the one thing they do have in common besides being um from the same sire is they both have that la sombra level of excellence as far as what they do, uh, Malenkov is obviously a uh, very warlike. Um, he's like a, a leader, you know, in battle. Mm -hmm. And you have Sierra, who's just completely dominant in the business world, mm -hmm. and her just acumen of people, um, yeah. which is really what La Sombra is all about. They they like the cream of the crop, and in this case, they've got it. But like you said, it's like they're polar opposites. So that it makes it very cool and dynamic. Yeah, and that was really what I wanted to to portray, and I'm, I'm I hope that it goes through. I don't want people to think that Clan Sombra is some one faceted uh, clan because it's not. It's it's really if you get to know the clan, and um, you know, if you if you wanted to function in the Camarilla, you 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 have to know that they are not mindless beasts. All of them. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, at, at, a, at a certain point, you're right. I mean, like, the, the Sombra is entering the, the Camarilla, so there needs to be at least uh, a bit of a ability to play ball. <laughs> and, you yeah. Know, and, but at the same time, there's a brutality to it as well. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, um, I wouldn't say that you have to be more humane necessarily to be in the Camarilla, 
because I don't think you do. Sure, <laughs> no, you, <But> don't. <laughs> you have to fall into, you know, fall in the line. You have right. to know where your place is at least. That's the most important thing. Like if you are a raging psychopath, well, then you're welcome in, in both you know, the Sabad and the Camarilla. Yeah, um, while you're hiding it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so, so yeah, and I think Sierra would would do that, but I don't think Malenkov would at all. So well, it's yeah. kind of showing, you know, two sides. And, and at the same funny. time, Malenkov is 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 way older than than Sierra, so she's also representing the younger generation of the Sombra that might be more willing to yeah. um to transfer into La Sombra and that's where uh, transfer into the Camarilla and that's kind of where um the idea of killing every single elder La Sombra elder came in because we're like you can't teach an, an old dog new tricks <laughs> so we just yeah. murdered him just kill him um, it, that's what the young do anyway in the Sabbat so yeah exactly it's like well we so, were gonna do that anyway so yeah, we, uh, <laughs> yeah. okay <laughs> not changing anything <laughs> and it's funny you know you mentioned like yeah you can be a complete psycho in both sex or in any of the sex even yeah yeah uh, shira everywhere yeah and you know as long as you hide it well and then you look at the characters in chicago by night and you have son jason newberry who's the primogen of clan malkavian who's just uh-huh. an absolute monster uh yeah. doing that just fine and in several editions he's he's made it you know yeah he hasn't been killed off yet that's the um, one thing that's the one thing I like about V5 especially is this explicit um recognition that there is really no essentially good guys and bad guys here. I mean you're you're playing monsters, right? And so to say that, you know, the Camarilla purists will say, well, you know, the Camarilla is the good guys, right? Uh back in in earlier editions it would have been the sabbats the bad guy monsters, but ultimately they're closer to their own nature than anyone who is in the Camarilla. Um, mm-hmm. it, with with the anarchs, it's like, well, we're anarchs, so we're all about that kind of freedom liberty thing. Um, yeah, but they're not. That doesn't mean that they're necessarily good, good. guys, yeah. right? No, 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 exactly. It's it's all a, a question of ideologies and what you as a person think is right or wrong. That's the beautiful thing about you know all of these sex. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing about the game in general. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I gotta ask. Um, I loved the Red Moon role-playing Chicago by Night uh, scenario that you story told, and you did a great job as portraying the NPCs. And you know, especially since it's an audio uh, kind of like drama, mm-hmm. um, you know, you use different inflections and mannerisms or uh, words, ideologues, tone to portray these different characters to make them stand out more. I loved your portrayal of Malenkov so much, and I wanted to ask, how much fun was it doing that? Of uh, of Malenkov or? Yeah. Yeah, just playing Malenkov. Yeah, yeah. I, I, mm. I think you nailed it. I, I did. I don't. Yeah, I think I just had this when I wrote him. I think I just had this like nasally annoying voice in my mind. It was like, this is what he's going to sound like, <laughs> and I used that in 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 the scenario. I don't know. It just came out of of nothing. I think I was just trying to think about the most uh, vile kind of person. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Yeah, it's a good question, actually. I um, I think it was just a just something that came out of the blue, and I just went with it. And I and on top of that, the editing they do for Red Moon role playing just helps me a lot because I'm not that good at voices, I think. Um, so so uh, they they alter a lot of things, which is great, and which makes me sound even more vile. 
<laughs> I think you did great. Uh, oh, thank you. <laughs> you know, and so you know, regarding um, role playing over there, uh, we we all love the new family with the Hikata um, from Cults of the Blood Gods, and your character. I like how they did the character introductions, like uh, one at a time. Uh -huh. um, I think that's just the best way to go, especially if you're doing an audio or video uh, show. Get the audience used to one character at a time, and then see how they play well with the others. Um, your character intro for Natalie was amazing. I loved the story of it, and I'd love to hear you talk about um, the creation of that and just um, where she came from, who she is. Oh, thanks. Hello? Yep, can you hear me? Uh, I think it cut out the last oh. part. Oh, okay. I just wanted to know um, just um, how you came up with Natalie and um, just uh, a little bit about her. Like, how much fun is it playing her and what do you just the creative process of it i suppose yeah I, I, okay so this is actually again something i got from a larp so i was at convention of thorns uh, around two years ago with matthew dawkins and he was playing uh, the Camden, who is a cappadocian the only yeah cappadocian i saw pictures of that uh-huh yeah and i was playing a young giovanni who turned cappadocian and had him as her adoptive sire so that was actually where i got that inspiration <laughs> from um this again, I don't know why I'm fascinated with it, but again, it is it's this like um, innocent being that kind of doesn't know anything about the vampire world, and then gets a tutor who is like a Cappadocian. He's one of you know the most um, interesting clans to introduce new vampires to. Yeah, detached. And, exactly, and. Um, she, uh, she she started out, out out as a Giovanni. She is a Giovanni by blood, but she was sent over to him to get like a kind of an, 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 a different outlook on the world, I suppose. And I I kind of like to bring in drama when I'm doing um, like when I'm creating these stories, like drama that could happen for for you and me, like drama you can relate to. So it doesn't have to be. Uh, something about vampires constantly like this could be a a a, a drama between a former you know ex-boyfriend a new boyfriend and you um it could be it could be anything so it's it, it it i think it was relatable in some way doing i'm also fascinated with the transformation of natalie um you know between <clears throat> between the kind of prologue um scenes right where you're going back and forth between you know her as kindred and and her you know pre-embrace um yeah. the tr the transformation of this kind of i mean kind of this a lot of people that that may relate to or understand or know people that they've you know from their friends or, or family members people that are uh who like to party a lot have a good time are kind of this carefree very free-spirited individual um with having you know regular struggles of immortal and then it, it, how she is after you know being with uh with that cappadocian for so long i mean it's a com it's a completely different person but this is something that we've seen before someone who's been in captivity for a very very long time yeah yeah exactly and and it, i wanted it to be such a stark difference um because that's kind of how I imagined that it would be. Like if you were stuck in a tomb for years and you, I think everyone would just go completely numb emotionally. 
um, which is why she can talk about cutting up limbs of people and whatever in just a, such a <laughs> mellow, normal tone. Like it's like talking about you just did laundry. Like that's that's how it is to her because it's such a it's the norm. Um, so so yeah, it, I wanted it to be so dramatic. I wanted to show what the embrace can also do to you. That the embrace is not necessarily. Um, you know, you gaining superpowers and becoming an awesome vampire. No, it's it's also something that affects you as a person and your personality. Yeah, it can affect you psychologically, even if you're not a Malkavian. Yeah. Because it, it's a traumatic yeah. experience. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It, it is. You, your whole life is getting turned upside down. And I think it's, for me, as a player and a storyteller, it's so important to focus on that, which is was why in, in Sacrifice I ran for Redmond Roleplaying, I had such mu- I had such a big focus on family and what else is going on around like this entire kindred society and prince that wants you to do this and that. Well, what about your family? What about your boyfriend? What about your yeah. girlfriend? What about all of these other fractures that's also an important part of your life? Like you can't just forget that. Um, you can't just leave it behind. I mean, what yeah. you did with what you did with all three characters for the sacrifice, as far as the way it happened with Red Moon, um, as someone that listened to the whole chronicle, you really, or at least I, um, had a deep care for like what happened with Alan and Michael, and what happened yeah. with Dolph and his lady, um, and not so much for a while with Craig, but when everything happens with his uh, with his ghoul, which I'm not going to spoil. Um, but like the progression of that and like how someone from his family kind of steps into that role. Um, by the end there, you're like, oh, geez, like this is this is really all he has. Like, yeah. you know, he's he's doting on his sire all the time. He doesn't care. And he's got this confidant person that's always there for him that he didn't really appreciate. And now that he's responsible for the way things went, he's got a, a second chance to make it right. You know, it's you can tell a good story by how much you think and care about what's happened after the fact. And, you know, this has been over for like a couple of weeks now and here I am talking to you and still being like, man, that was great. You know, <laughs> well, I mean, well done. That's, that's really what entertainment is. It's not just uh, eating popcorn and being like, that was great, but it's um, taking something from that experience, thinking about it and being just appreciative of how a good story can unfold. Yeah. Um, I kind of want to, I think it's because when I've been, um, when I was first introduced to vampire in like a tabletop manner, um, it was a lot about the vampire side. And I think Masquerade caters more to that. It caters more to, you know, um, really having a heavy focus on being a vampire, not so much the human behind the vampire, the human inside. Um, and, uh, I just wanted to turn things around a bit and I wanted to people to understand and not necessarily forget, you know, that they are fragile little humans inside. They, they are, I mean, they have this monstrous demeanor, but it's not going to hold on forever and it's going to slowly consume you if you don't control it because I think there's, yeah, there's a lot, there's a, 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 to me, a sad tendency of being like, how do I win this game? How do I win this game of vampire? 
And it's it's a mentality I think has, that comes from games like Dungeons and Dragons, where it is mm-hmm. very much about winning. It's there's also role play, but there's also about right. it's it's about slaying the monster, it's about slaying the dragon, and it makes sense there. But I think um, Vampire just presents an opportunity to delve into to, to you know much more emotional and difficult things. Um, like who you, you are, use yeah. That. Yeah, exactly. And I think you should you should use that, like use that opportunity to um, to create a really interesting and deep backstory. It doesn't have to be like all sobby, but it can it can be more multifaceted than than just being. I am the sexy Toreador. I'm like, okay, what else are you? What what were you yeah. before you were a Toreador? What happened then? How did you become a Toreador? Um, so yeah, you know, is that sexy toreador an act a front that is hiding certain uncomfortabilities you might have about yourself or you know are you completely sure of yourself as a tori as that kind of sexy archetype toreador Mm -hmm. or is there something more interesting behind that mask Mm -hmm. i mean with natalie on the family you know she's a it's a i mean it's a very heart-wrenching and and pretty awful backstory um, with some very interesting results of a person, um, but at the same time, it's also very. She's also very endearing, uh, and you play her very. Uh, there, I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of humor involved. Um, I mean, we were just talking about. There's this one scene uh, where you know you're in the you're in this club, and um, you know they're the the. Uh, the two guys are like, oh, where are you guys going? Where are you going to go? Um, and you're like, well, yeah, we're going to go kill people, right? <laughs> and completely dead, like, straight, yeah, we're going to go kill people. Like, excited to go kill people. Not as a, I'm just joking. And they go, what the, what are you doing? Just like, matter of fact, like, I'm going to go pick some roses. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I want to hear more about that. Like, how, how, how that interplay is, is very interesting. I mean, it's humoristic, but at the same time, it's very sad. Like it's it's yeah. so, it's so. Of course, there is a um, a, a certain humor to it, but but um, what it really is is her being so antisocial and yeah. so out of touch with how you act around other people, like in a normal behavior, that she just says things like that, and she doesn't realize that it's wrong. She's not doing it to get attention. She's not doing it because. She thinks it's it's cool to say it. It's it's just her. It's like a condition, so, yeah. Exactly, it's her being so far from the window that she's just she's not understanding, you know, anything. And that's um, it's difficult to play because you yeah. you know you would assume that, and I would assume that I am a more or less functional human being. Um, but you know, it I guess it plays on. Um, I was talking about with uh, this with uh, with Matthew the other day. Like when you play different characters, you actually show a side of yourself. Like you so maybe it's just a tiny tiny side of yourself, but you always take things that you know and are familiar with, and uh, and overplay that or you know add to that. So for me, this might be a part of my more insecure, more antisocial side. Um, and we've all been there too, right? Like we're in a group of people. I, I've been there. I should not speak for everybody. <laughs> Where you know, uh, 
my sense of humor can sometimes be a little dark. Sometimes I, I don't really am, am fully aware of, of my surroundings a little bit. And it's like, oh, I got this foot and mouth syndrome where I, I said something I probably shouldn't have. And now everyone is like, what? <laughs> Why did you say that? Yeah. And you go, ah. And then you think about it later. And it's one of those things that throughout your life you are trying to it go to sleep you, 10 yeah. years later. It's bothering you, right? Um, but at the time you're like, oh, that's not okay? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but it's yeah. that antisocial kind of – you know, at the prom, not knowing how to dance kind of feeling. Yeah. I mean, we've all been there. I think that's true. (laughs) I think think everyone has been there. Even the most competent person, we've all had our moments of awkwardness and not feeling like we fit in. And I've seen some YouTube comments from the videos about people um, saying they actually relate to to Natalie, which was surprising to me because... um, I Probably because it's be so, so alien to you in a way. Or... Yeah, yeah. I wanted her to be so antisocial as I could be, but I guess you know um, that feeling of not fitting in or not being, you know, not feeling a part of, of society or part of the world is a recognizable feeling for a lot of people. Yeah, and that just makes a character believable, relatable. And I think when you know we've heard it, and I think we just talked about it a little bit about how when you're playing a different character. You, you think that maybe there's a little bit about that person in you somewhere. Um, and, you know, that can be kind of a scary thing sometimes when you're like, is this really just like a facet of myself? I think in many ways it's how we have seen people throughout our lives. Like sometimes it's someone that you perceived and yeah. you're acting as someone that you've had history with. So, um, you know, for people who are listening that, that are new to role-playing games, if you're playing someone that's completely outside of like your skin and you know you're playing a monster um it doesn't necessarily mean that that's an inner part of you it could just be something that you've seen that you went through and you're able to act that out in a way that I don't, maybe it's healthy maybe it just i mean role playing games in my opinion give the players more perspective on the different people that we either have engaged with or might may engage with which really just gives us a lot more um life experience overall i mean it, how you're going to handle that person in the future could be completely different because you've kind of role play someone that's similar and been in their shoes and that's really just i think better for everyone for sure yeah and and i agree and actually in denmark we use role playing a lot as a tool for kids um if we have like class bullying we will do role plays i, I say we but but people that works in school we will take up role play as a tool and try to switch the roles around and be like, how does it feel to be the one who's bullied? And how does it feel to be the one who bullies? That's really um, smart. It's really smart. And we actually have um, uh, role-playing schools in Denmark. Where I'm so uh, jealous. Yeah, <laughs> That's we actually, yeah, it is. It is. It's like an uh, directly translated, it's called an after school, but it's something you do before you go to high school and you've been on, you know, in, in normal, like, I don't know what to call it, uh, but, you know, from, from first to ninth grade, and then you can take 10th grade in, like, an after school. And this school uh, has role play as a learning tool. I think that's amazing. Yeah. And it, it, yeah, it prepares you, too, to face the world and get into conversations and have interviews and stand in front of a group of people and present. I mean, all those things are – plus, it helps you – it probably helps to teach a little bit of empathy, I'm sure. Mm, for sure. Yeah, oh, absolutely. That's like key. And it's funny, you know, I, I think I even posted one of it this week on our on our 
Gehenna Gaming Facebook about an, yet another article about therapists who are using D&D with kids to get them to open up about what's really going on in their lives. Some people just have a really hard time um, talking about what's going on in their own reality. And once you put it in fantasy, it becomes a lot easier to deal with because you have more control over it. Um, yeah. So it's really awesome to hear that about Denmark. I mean, honestly, Denmark, Finland, Sweden, we hear so much about the people in those communities who are into, uh, I mean, tabletop role-playing and role-playing in general is so big over there. It makes us really it jealous. Yeah. Uh, you know, you look at like Helmgast, uh, White Wolf, Paradox, they're all like, they're all located in Sweden. I bet they can throw <laughs> stone at each other in the windows. And I'm like, man, that's that's just the dream. Yeah, it's like Mecca. <laughs> I'm like, what's in the water over there that we don't got here? Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's a good question. Maybe it's because it's so cold, so we spend more time inside. We're like, and we need to <laughs> spend time with something. We might as well yeah. role play. Yeah, well, yeah. We're, we're New England based, so maybe there's something to that. <laughs> you know, and that's—I mean, here we have like the Midwest, right? The Chicago area. That's kind of that's kind of almost like also the cold. RPG mecca, and it's really cold. And there's a lot of there's a lot of gaming companies that come from out there. A lot of RPGs that come from out there. I mean. Uh, it, there's something i mean clara you're onto something maybe <laughs> being cold and bored and and not drinking so much probably does help say well what, how are we going to pass the time well let's let's role play a little bit let's roll some dice roll the bones yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think so i i don't know where it comes from and it's just a you know an odd theory but it might actually be you know having some sort of of effect on us it's definitely within the culture too. Um, this is one of the things that I'm I'm fascinated with is this this concept of um, Nordic LARP, um, which is kind of just a, a little bit of a silly concept. It's 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 LARP, right? But um, mm-hmm. and and the recognition that there are different styles of LARP, different kinds of LARP. Um, you know, you you have uh, a video called "How to Survive LARP," um, <laughs> which is something that that. Um, I've seen and and definitely I think you told me about it um, because yeah, I want to get more into LARP and I'm sure there's so a lot I. of people who mm-hmm. who feel the same way. So, kind of, what advice would you give to people who want to get into LARPing, who's never done it before, who's maybe more comfortable with tabletop? Um, well, first of all, be open-minded. Uh, it's really scary to begin with. It's such a an odd experience and and remember that it's an odd experience for everyone who starts you're not alone and um so that's the first thing Uh, understand that what you're feeling is okay and understand that sometimes you might just want to go into a room and just be yourself for a moment because it's intense um and then um take some chances um, if you want to react a certain way, but you think, oh, that's that's going to be weird or that's going to be odd, then just, just do it. Um, because that's what makes laughing so much fun, you know, um, to to act ways that maybe you wouldn't be able to, to act otherwise. That said, uh, don't do anything inappropriate. <laughs> don't use it as an excuse. And I'm saying that because that's something I've experienced quite a bit. Not so much anymore, mostly because I don't really laugh that much anymore. Um, but it, some people will take it as an opportunity to be like, oh, I can just do whatever the fuck I want now. And that's yeah. not it. Um, but um, be open-minded and respect your own boundaries, respect other people's boundaries. Um, I know it's kind of loose things that I'm saying right now, 
but it's difficult to give precise advice because you have you know you have different um well so many different situations that could happen right yeah and and you have different ideas of what you're going into and just um keep an open mind and uh yeah and enjoy yourself <laughs> yeah and it's it's kind of one of those scary things i mean here there's a lot of you know improv right um but it's not necessarily the same thing because you it's very short bursts of you know all mini acting um situations but with larp it's a little bit longer um <clears throat> and there's a there's a culture um which i'm a huge fan of and and we are all big fans of and, mm -hmm. and pushing this idea of, of things like consent and things like um you know being up front with what is it that we're actually getting into what's okay what's not okay what kind of game are we playing um all of that you know is spilling into a tabletop rpg that everybody's talking about um but it was really in larp for a long time before anyone started talking about it in in tabletop yeah yeah uh it's uh um I think yeah, I have some I reasons think... as to why too. If you want to go ahead, Clara. No, yeah, yeah, you, uh, you go ahead. I want to hear. Okay. It. <laughs> I think it's got something to do with like when you're in LARP, everyone is playing a character, and like there is someone that's kind of setting the scene, and you know, but for the most part, the player actors have free reign to interact with each other as much as they want, or kind of mm -hmm. do whatever. They've got their own driving goals and a lot more freedom than I think maybe sometimes tabletop players feel. So you're kind of in charge of your own content and what you bring to that setting. You Whereas, are. You have... Oh, sorry. Yeah. Whereas in tabletop, it's like um, everyone's kind of marching to the beat of sometimes the storyteller's drum or what kind of game you're there to play. I think with LARP, it's more ambiguous. ambiguous or um, Ambiguous? Yeah. Whereas in, in tabletop, it's like, yeah, you have a session zero and... Or if you, if you don't, you run the risk of, we don't know what kind of content's going to be in this game. Let's talk about it beforehand. Yeah, you know? there's an immense amount of trust in LARPing because right. you don't have a storyteller to you know run around constantly and make sure that everything you're doing is according to the game's rules and that you're playing you know nice and all that. You have to trust other characters and other people behind those characters, maybe people you haven't even met before. Maybe you have to, you know, play out some scenes that can be, you know, intimate or intimidating, mm -hmm. or maybe someone is yelling at you. You don't even know that person. Um, so you have to be kind of mentally prepared that it can be hard. It can be really hard and you're going to be so tired afterwards um, because you just, you are, you are on constantly. You, you have your, you know, your antennae up constantly. Your, you have to think your role, you have to play your role, you have to improvise constantly. And it's and you're meeting a lot of new people at the same time who are not even playing themselves. It's such a mentally difficult thing to do. Yeah, it's almost like you're meeting them for twice. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it definitely like is. Their character and then themselves and trying to figure out <laughs> where that line uh, yeah. <laughs> where one person ends and the other person begins. Yeah, and playing in an overly emotional setting because that's, you know, you have to do that. It can't just be regular, you know, meeting with people. There has to be something that has something to do with, you know, the setting you're in it. And it has to be interesting and fun at the same time. And that can't just be, you know, a regular, you know, old, hey, my name is, it, it needs to be, 
it needs to be a little more than that. It often is, and often a lot of action and drama happens at the same time. So, yeah, it's it's really there's a lot of aspects to it. Definitely makes me want to dive in and check it out. I've mm-hmm. yet to do it. I mean, we we sometimes I don't know if it's just our our group and how we play locally with each other, but we do get very much into character and like we'll walk around and talk to each other as if it's really happening in scene. Kind of yeah. like a hybrid kind of thing, but that's just us getting really into it, and I'm yeah. sure a lot of people do. Um, oh yeah. And Mark uh, and I both want to go to the night in question in um, Austin, Texas, later this year. Mark already bought tickets. <laughs> I did. Jackalope, uh, Jackalope Larp um, has been doing this for I think this is the third year. Third year, yeah. For the mm-hmm. night in question. Hey, uh, you you have you heard of this? The night I in have, question. I have. Yeah, yeah, I have. Um, I mean, how could you not? <laughs> yeah, right. Speaking of ubiquitous, um, this is kind of one of these like rule. They, they call it rules light uh, splatter Texas punk. I think is the description, which is really cool. Um, but yeah. there's the idea of rules light that's really fascinating. Um, how much of that kind of LARP have you been involved in? None. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think the, like maybe ninety percent of all labs are Camarilla labs because it's so difficult to actually have the the the, the I guess the uh, setting or like the room and the, the things you need to create a realistic set battle LARP um, for obvious reasons. Um, and Camarilla Lab, where you're just playing a night in Elysium, is much more manageable, realistically yeah. and practically. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so not a lot. Um, so yeah, uh, I, I have heard about it, and I hope it goes well. Um, and I can understand why people are, are definitely excited about it. But I think maybe my way, or my style for play, is a little more uh, convention of thorns ish, if anything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I really want to try both. I mean, the the Convention of Thorns one and like scene coming out of the European area just oh, looks yeah. so cool. Um, yeah, I, I really want to. <laughs> I just really want to get in. I don't know if I'll be buying a plane ticket to Europe anytime soon. I've got really small kids, but hey, when they're old enough, I'll just bring them with me. For sure, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's kind of one of those. It, it, it's you know when that the first Convention of Thorns um, came up, which you said that you were a part of. Um, <clears throat> it, it was very exciting to all of us because it's like, oh my god, here it is! Look, and seeing the pictures coming out of it, and it's you know, everyone got stars in their eyes. Like, how awesome would it be to be to participate um, in something like this? Um, and I know that it 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 influenced a lot of people to start their own kind of you know LARP organizations or 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 events in their local areas, even if it's not as you know, involved and costume heavy as, as uh, convention of thorns, which is, it's still pretty cool. It's people getting together and playing games. Yeah, it is. And uh, it was a beautiful venue. I mean, I've never role played in a castle before, so that was just great. (laughs) Uh, It's surrounded by like thick forest everywhere around. It was autumns and all of the leaves are like changing color. It was so beautiful. So beautiful, yeah. Um, it was a great time, really. Um, there was a few, there was a few things that um, maybe prevents me from ever returning, <laughs> which is a shame. But um, but yeah, it was the role play in and of itself was great. There was a lot of great people. Yeah. Awesome. Let's see. So you've you've done a ton of writing on a bunch of games we really enjoy. Uh, Cultivating the Lost being one of them. Um, mm-hmm. What was it like 
uh, writing for Cult. Uh, I was still a fairly new writer at that point. It's such a long time ago. Uh, it's like almost two years ago. This April, it's almost two years ago. Wow. Um, was that for, like, for yeah. the core book? It was a, it was, I, I can't say um, a lot about it, I think, because okay. I don't think it's been announced yet. Is it the, there's a new scenario book that they just announced. That it's is, not that. Ooh, so it's exciting. Not that. Yeah, okay. and I, I don't know if this book will ever see the day of light, which is, you oh, know, no. a sad, yeah, it's a sad realization sometimes. Sometimes, even if you've, you know, you've done a great job on a book, sometimes the company will be like, well, we don't have the finances, or we've changed sure. our minds, or maybe we're going to use parts of that book in other books. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I don't know the status of that book, and I don't know how much I can say about it, but it was the experience in itself was great actually because i was so used to you know vampire and war of darkness and chronicles of darkness and and trying something that was horror but different horror was great it's such a different kind of, of horror it's so much it sure is <laughs> it, it's so mature horror yeah, yeah. It, it's like because you know, vampire and what of darkness and chronicles of darkness is still horror, but I think it's maybe it's a more manageable horror. It's a more PG horror, um, where uh, cult definitely is not. Um, so yeah, it was, it was that was very interesting. I like can it. I, can I ask if I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna poke you a little bit? And I apologize, but can I ask? Was it was it a scenario book or was it a setting book? It's it's a setting book. <gasps> oh, Super okay. cool. Very cool. Yeah, that might not see the light of day. But still very <laughs> yeah. cool. Yeah. It's funny. I think Marchosius, you were the one that like when we first started like really talking about cult, getting really into it, you were like you would describe it as the black metal of horror tabletop gaming. Yeah, that's and, a yeah. great description. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, yeah. I've never yeah. stopped using it. It's brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. And yeah, there's something about it too that it's it, it allows you there's it's a dynamic game, right? Um mm-hmm. Just with the setting itself, it's just so dynamic with the various realities and everything else. But it's also got it can be as intense or as you know light as you can kind of make it. But even if it's a light game, it's still like drenched in darkness. Yeah, there's still that you know looming in the background that you can't escape. Um, right. Yeah. yeah, I agree, and I, I think that in and of itself is just horror. It's just knowing that there is something but you don't know when it's going to happen or if it's going to happen. Uh, but it, it's there and it's keeping an eye on you. I, I think that's great too. So out of all the projects that you worked on, um, you know, we mentioned Cult, we mentioned v, V5. Um, <clears throat> you know, there's uh, Subterra 2 and, and and everything else. What would be your like dream project? Like what's the, the unicorn that you want to you wanna get to and write for? Or oh, is there so- one? So what I want to write for. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> or even if it was like an original thing, I guess. Right? Yeah, totally. <laughs> That's a good question. Uh, I don't know. I, um, I'm always happy when I write Vampire because it's kind of just. You just feel like home. A, yeah. And it's such a big part of me. Um, yeah. And a part of, of who made me who I am today, uh, what made me who I am today. Um, uh, so, so it's almost safe to say that you're you're kind of living the dream right now. That's wild. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. How wild is that? <laughs> well, you know, it's it's when you're in it, 
yeah. it's so weird yeah. at least for me like it's like you get a, a writing opportunity per mail and you're like oh you you want me to write are you sure <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Stuff, right yeah 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 and and i've never really been like oh this is the dream i'm just oh this is great I, that's never I, i've always it's more a feeling of confusion <laughs> yeah oh i can we can relate especially when we went to pax unplugged we had people being like oh there's that person i want to go play in his game yeah. exactly <laughs> And Mark was like, hey, someone came up and said they wanted to play in your game. I'm like, what are you talking about? Yeah, there was yeah, like, yeah. are you kidding me? Quite a few, quite a like, few people came up asking to, to play in, in, in your game. Like, I want to play in Def Malk's game. Okay, <laughs> sure. Yeah. yeah. Or like, yeah. It's the same with signing books or signing items. I'm like, do you want my name in your new book? Are you sure? <laughs> is it gonna ruin? Is it gonna ruin it? <laughs> yeah. Are you are you complete? I always ask people that when they ask yeah. me for an autograph. I'm like, are you sure? <laughs> Do you know who I am? Like, are you sure you're not? You don't think I'm someone else or something? Yeah. Um, I mean, honestly, I'd have you sign my Chicago by Night book, especially oh, yeah, getting same. getting to know you more and just becoming more of like a really friends with you. Really, um, I would love for you and people like that to sign because you're people that we we respect we find endearing you know and uh we love what you do so it's kind of like uh it's like a little thing of pride like hey yeah this great person made this book i love this book and you know yeah why not but to to be the person in that seat yeah i guess it can feel a little strange but you know you should it's just feel strange. you should just be proud of it you know you did something that people love and um that's what's important you know people are happy about the thing that you created that's that's a really wonderful thing to experience For sure, and it it is great. It's a great feeling. The best the best feeling out of all feelings when it comes to this is hearing people running your game and be like, "This is this was great. We had so much fun." That's the best thing. Yeah. Fuck the money. Fuck the fame. Fuck fuck everything else. That really makes me so so happy. Like I I I I love just reading about hearing about people coming up to me and saying that you know i created something that their friends and family and they liked and it made for a great evening that is gold yeah that's yeah it's the best it is it truly truly is and that and um and uh and seeing artwork it, it i know that's a, such a weird thing but i'm a like, i'm, a, like I'm an artist my, yeah No, not not well. Also, fan art, but more when you you know when you've uh, submitted your draft, and it goes through the art process. Yeah, having a an <laughs> artist read what you've done, and create it from their own mind, and what you've written, it's such an amazing feeling. I'm 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 so over the moon. Like I'm even more over the moon seeing that than the release of the book. I'm like, yeah, fine, fine. Well, yeah. I want to see the artwork. And I think that's because I'm a visual, I'm an artist too. Like I paint too. And I know like both sides of that. Um, so, so, so that, that those two things makes this all worth it for me. <laughs> What's so weird is, you know, I, I read the manuscript for the sacrifice, like when the Kickstarter thing got released. And I was like, man, that's a really great way to write a scenario. Um, giving the player, you know, because I love very much sandbox style. You know, yeah. I like um, writing a city setting, throwing a bunch of like small stories in there, but more importantly, making NPCs that are just believable, that have their own agendas, and just letting the player go and discover what they want to discover. So after reading the sacrifice, I was like, I want to do like a, I want to write like a one shot. So I wrote 
fatal choices. And it was like, you know, so many pages. And I think it was at the time when we really started getting to know Mark Marchosius. <laughs> and without knowing, I think he just kind of took it and was like, oh, hey, <laughs> I made it gorgeous. <laughs> yeah, I, I think mean, I, just like, ran, I just ran yeah, with yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. He was like, oh, I just made it look like these. There you go. And I was like, oh my God, like, <laughs> is, is this really what I wrote down? Like, yeah. you know, it was, that was the best feeling. And I, I high five my buddy here for uh, his great artwork, but yeah, it's weird that I can, I can relate with that. And both of you were kind of in the kind of part of all that, you know, just the inspiration for bringing the sacrifice and being like, this is a great way to tell a story. And then Mark being the little art, little artist who took it and ran with it. Yeah. Oh man, this means a lot, you know, there's something on the well, artist side too that, that thank you thank you for your kind words sir um but there's something about like you know you have an artist who takes what you have written and they're inspired like on it feels great on your end but on the other side it's like whoa what an amazing concept i need to make this into like some kind of image outside of the people that are hired to do the artwork freelancers mm-hmm. that, the amazing freelancers that worked on um chicago by night but the having an artist go, okay, this is the image I'm going to make inspired directly from your words. And it's like, I have to make, it's almost like you're the muse at that point, which yeah. is, it, it, it's very cool to be like, how the hell did she come up with this? I need to make this into an image. Yeah, for sure. Like the knowledge that you write something that creates images in someone's head is, it's great. Um, and, and so much that they want to put it into paper and use hours and hours and hours and creating great fan art is amazing um and it's one of the biggest uh, you know thank yous you can you can almost get or like even someone creating a blog post or uh someone taking the liberty to tell me or write a message be like hey i love what you did with sacrifice we had so much fun running it that's just taking that little time out is is it's great. It makes it makes creators feel great. It does. Yeah, and people should do that more often. You know, if you really like what someone did, um, he, it's little encouragement goes a long way. You know, yeah. and if if we live in such a smaller world now, I mean, we're talking to you, and you live in Denmark, and we're a couple of nerds in America. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you know, but like, reach out to the people that you uh, really respect their work. You know, tell them why you liked it. Um, because you never know. There could be someone who's discouraged with what they did, and maybe they didn't feel like it was like up to their their level. And you never know. It's like some people get really discouraged and uh, they stop writing. You know, it, reach out to the people that are writing the content that you really enjoy. You know, you don't always. People say, "Hey, you vote with your your wallet," and um, you know, you, you kind of do to a point. You know, you help these wonderful creators um, continue to make things by supporting them, whether it's Patreon coffee or just even buying the product. But, you know, we live in such a smaller world now at them on Twitter and say, thank you for doing what you did. It inspired me to do this. And like proof is in the pudding right here, you know, uh, Clara with your experiences and being like, Hey, that meant the world to me. Um, You know, I think there should be a lot more of that in the community. You know, if it's, it's very easy to do. And I, I love doing it myself. Yeah, uh, me me too. Like I am, I think in, in in a world, especially in the RPG community, where criticizing something is so easy, so mm-hmm. easy, and and there's so much of it. You know, you can do a, a, an excellent job on a book and still have barrages of of people who just 
do not like it and you will always have that and that's fair enough like people can can like and dislike what they want but sometimes i think as a creator it it's it's hard it's hard to be in the receiving end of of that um because someone will just hate v5 just because it's not masquerade or someone will just hate v5 because it's not um how they imagined it would be so they're so close to you know new ideas and 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 that often comes for such a great love for the game like people like that often really really love the franchise yeah. and they feel like you stepped on them by for example by including la sombra and clan camarilla we knew that that was like a big step it was like um was a big step and we knew that a lot of people would hate that um so for me writing the sacrifice that was why i wanted it to be a player decision i wanted really people to, yeah i wanted people to have power over it and be like in our game clan of Sombra is not joining the camera <laughs> no fucking way i'll be like you know what we're gonna give them a chance we're gonna see how how this carries out it, it gives us an opportunity to see a lot of Elder Lissambra being killed, if nothing else. Um, so, so giving that gives people control, and f- because people don't like to have control taken away from them, especially over yeah. a franchise or game they love so much, it's like you have these two opportunities. You can choose A or you can choose B. So here you go, make a decision. Someone is not making the decision for them, and I think maybe that was the correct way to go about this. Yeah. I, I, I think it was. And, you know, it's it did give that choice. <clears throat> when the news came out that Lissambra was going to be included in Camarilla, everyone went, <gasps> and, you know, you started hearing the little bickers online and the, no, this is awful. But, I mean, at the end of the day, this is a product, right? And mm-hmm. right now, the current product consideration is that uh, for the for the, the in-game um, lore and content right now, Sabat is not um, at the forefront of things that are going on. Right, mm-hmm. they're they're hanging out in the Middle East doing their thing, and there's two choices here. Lasambra can go with them in in obscurity, or they can be introduced in the front lines of this new edition. And I think yeah. it, that was a very, from a product perspective, I think that was an excellent choice to make. But from your approach of giving the players agency to make that decision to basically mechanize the golden rule and say, Hey, listen, you could do this. Or you can say, like you said, fuck, no, we're not going to have La in our game. And that's or in, in Camarilla. And that's just that, yeah. um, you it's know, really funny. You mentioned that one of the people I, when I first started playing vampire in like 2005, I told him I'm like about the V5 changes. Cause he hadn't known, or he kind of dropped off just role playing in general. And I was like, Hey, there's a fifth edition out. I strummed the core book and, um, we just started hearing about, uh, hearing about the Chicago Minute at the time, and I'm like, yeah, and you, one of your favorite clans, La Sombra, I hear this is happening, and he didn't, he didn't like it, but now I'm just going to be like, you know, we can run that scenario, and it's player's decision, <laughs> like, and that would actually be a thing that being like, no, I want to play V5, <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, leaving it up to them, it's like almost like a bait and hook. It's like, well, if you don't like it, you can always play it and decide no. <laughs> yeah, and it's interesting because. I the sacrifice it. was not supposed to be like this from the beginning. This is something I've never s- told anyone before, I guess. Yeah. So uh, you're you're the first podcast that knows. Um, Breaking news. 
Yeah, <laughs> well, not really breaking, but it's just it's juicy drama. <laughs> sure. Um, no, I was not supposed to be the writer for this to begin with. Whoa. Yeah, I was an emergency writer. <laughs> oh, did the other writer fall through? Uh, yeah, I can't say much about that. Sure. Okay. But but I can say that I didn't have a lot of time <laughs> to write the sacrifice. I mean, I was put on like, Matthew was like, can you do this? This is a big task. And I was like, that's so fucking scary. I'm going to try my best. <laughs> um, because it was like, this is a V5 book. like, And I'm con- I'm making a sen- the first scenario, the first chronicle for, for, for V5. And this is so horrifying to me. I was so scared i've never been more scared in my life to write a book i was intimidated as fuck because i know the fan base and i know how many people love this product what if i fuck it up (laughs) i am the person who's going to fuck this entire book up well it seems like you channeled that into something awesome either way (laughs) i i I, yeah that's that's that was the result um which is which is great but it was, it was, oh my goodness, for someone who has been a fan of a vampire for such a long time, oh my god, it was so scary. Uh, I, but I think, I think you're right. I think it motivated me to be like, okay, I need to make this best fucking thing I've ever written, which to date it is. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think so. Um, and um, yeah, it, it lit a fire up under my, my, my ass and, and I was like, I have such a big respect for this project (laughs) and i think that helped too like i was like if i was a vampire player would i want to write this or would i want to run this what how what kind of game would i want what would function and i did so much research and i have like an entire notebook in my office like i i i found it the other day and was like oh there's so many good memories like all of my write-ups and sketches and all of that um but yeah it was a big project for me i'm so happy that it, it turned out for for the better yeah I, I would say it's it's very successful i mean you did a really really good job and it's it's right now uh kind of my favorite um, oh, book no, no, in no. v5 yeah Same. yeah oh, i mean no. even outside of the to be to be perfectly frank because we, we gush about it constantly we're always like how could we use these ideas and, and that idea we're talking about how to display npcs and everything else like in my opinion, I think this is the best V5 book out there. Um, and I think it's personally, I mean, I loved Constantinople My Night and a couple of others. Um, I think this is the best book that has been out in the entire line. And I take the, the layout of like the NPCs, like yeah. Mortal Knights, Kindred Days, Whispers, Rumors, Havens, Plots, Schemes, and I, I literally take those um, and bullet point them so that when I make my own NPCs now, those are things I keep in mind because it's a brilliant way to think about okay i've got a concept now what else do i need like what are the things it, it's helpful to like remember like those key com- components of what makes a character especially in the world of darkness um it breeds uh creativity and um the whole book the way it was structured like that is it's setting a new bar is what i've been uh telling mark and ian and john lately um it, you know, and it's wonderful to see that V5 has come along in such a short amount of time to be a great new system, but also to come out with something that was so dynamic that it, mm-hmm. it raised the bar for everything going forward. And I'm yeah. super excited to see uh, what's going to come down the line, and um, hopefully they bring all of the wonderful writers uh, who are part of that back, because 
yeah hats off yeah that said uh it is a change and you know you did mention there were there are people and we'll always be with new additions people that don't like it um and that are very very vocal about how much they don't like said edition um there is something that while we're inflating egos here um something that that i have respected you greatly um is your approach on online on um having conversations with people uh specifically on on twitter um that are very hard stanced anti v5 uh down to the point where there's there's you know bullying and there mm-hmm. is a certain level of harassment for uh content creators your coworkers people that um you work with or respect and your involvement in these conversations where you have a very unflinching and straightforward way of dealing with all that bs in the industry and refusing to let people get bullied or canceled for no reason um is respectful and and I I'm wondering where that kind of where that comes from because there's a there's a a, a lot of times people will go well, I'm not going to say anything because I don't want to get caught in crossfire <laughs> no uh, well first of all thank you so much um I think that comes from two places first of all um I was raised in by a mom who was incredibly um good at handling conflict and she always taught me how to deal with people like this and people you don't disagree with and um also my nurse job you know I'm a, I'm a full-time nurse I deal with conflicts every single day um I deal with people who are in a lot of stress and more serious situations than people who are just angry about a, a role-playing game yeah perspective um, right exactly and i think that that helps me a lot to control my own emotion because i'm it pisses me off you know sometimes it pisses me off when i feel like i'm getting unjustifiedly you know call things that i'm not like uh things that there's no proof of or or things that people just call me because they're bitter about a game and i often just sit back and i think you know what this is a role-playing game it's nothing more it's not life or death it's not something to get you know so upset upset over Mm -hmm. um from neither side so that kind of just helps me to keep a professional demeanor but i'm not gonna be stepped on i'm not gonna let my colleagues be stepped on for something they haven't done because there's there's a difference between being professional and stand up for each other and we have to stand up for each other in this environment where we are sometimes being barraged you know um because it's gonna be it's gonna suck too much and then no one is going to write vampire books anymore that makes sense yeah um because who would want that when if that is uh, you know the way you're being received um so it's always about being kind and always a bit about being like this is my clear opinion this is what happened this is what i've written you can believe in anything you wanted to believe in but this is how it is um, yeah and, and you like and what you that. did so you're not sorry for it yeah no no exactly I'm, i don't mind protecting yeah. what i've done but i'm not gonna be upset that someone doesn't like it because then right. I, I would be upset all the time <laughs> Yeah, when I ever get um, customers at work who call in and they're mad and, you know, we have people who obviously answer the phones and try to deal with them. I'm like, oh, you can put them on with me. Like, are you sure? Well, yeah, I've had a whole, like, you know, 30-something years of people yelling at me, you know, one more mm-hmm. is not going to kill me. I've got lots of practice. 
<laughs> you know? And I just try to keep that mindset of it. Like, yeah, this is not the worst time I've been yelled at. <laughs> no, exactly. It's not yeah. gonna be the last either. That that refusal to be <clears throat> to be bullied and called something that you're not and and labeled as um you know awful things. It, it's it's hard for people to go. Okay, I'm gonna take this and and just kind of hopefully it'll go away. You you, you face it head on, and I think it's really cool. And I think that I I hope it inspires me. I hope it inspires other people to do the same thing. Um, because you're defending your work, you're defending. Um, the game that you love, the hobby that you love, the career that you are in. Um, and it's, uh, you know, you're, you're good people for doing that. So thank you. Well, you're, you're welcome. It's all about defending what you believe in. It sounds so heroic. <laughs> but defending <laughs> what you believe in and what you care about um, without doing, you know, without attacking someone. And that's difficult. Um yeah. And I'm not an expert in that, but I'm trying my best. And and um, I just think it's important when you're a public person as well, because you have people looking up to you. Um, yeah. So, yeah. And that's why I reiterate to people who are listening. Um, these are the things that content creators experience. And uh, it's more than just, hey, you're, you're buying a, a book and you're enjoying it. Like, if you do, reach out. Tell them yeah. why you liked it, how you're using it. Because you can bet that when someone's pouring their creativity and their heart, soul, hours of time into uh, tabletop role-playing projects or books or uh, whatever the medium is, really, um, just telling people how you enjoyed it. You know, they may not see their your message. They may be busy. But, you know, a couple of them are going to get through. People are going to have time to look at those things. And you never know how that's going to give someone, like, um, who's having a tough day dealing with someone who's overcritical or bullying like mm. it it helps keep the perspective of you know i'm doing something that not only i like but other people like it too and um yeah and, and know, there's been a lot of um you know a lot of controversy about especially v5 and all of this nazi bullshit and, and all that which was uh you know stupid from from you know our side, yeah, well, not our side, but but the book side. It was stu super stupid, but at the same time, it was being approached in such a unconstructive way. Like, yeah. it, it, and a lot of issues are when someone is um, feeling, you know, like we've we've done them injustice, or done a certain group injustice. It's often so aggressively approached, right? And I get that it's because people are passionate about this and people want you know, more representation of, of different, you know, skin color and different uh, cultures and all that. I And I'm totally behind that. I love that. And I do that a lot in my games. I try my best. But if there can just be a normal approach, a normal adult approach, and people could be like, hey, this is something that is bothering me. Could we talk about this? Or could we, you know, errata this? Or could we do something about it? It, the culture would be so much different because I think when it comes down to it, we all agree. Like we all agree that on most things that, you know, certain things just shouldn't be in a book or certain things just should be represented in a different way. But it's just so aggressive sometimes. And I really hate that. Like, I think people should work on their communication <laughs> skills a bit more. Yeah, I, I do too. I can't stand it. And it's it's frustrating because there is all these... Uh, let's call them newer people in in the field, uh, newer people that are in 
um, working with this with this IP with this con- with content that is being put out by Onyx Path, and you know there was some there was some you know interesting choices that were done for for V five, um, and it was a little bit of a clunk, clunky launch. We could all agree, but mm-hmm. um, to to have the direct response of okay, that's it. Anybody who works on this IP in an official capacity is a Nazi. Is um, yeah. it, it's insulting and it's upsetting and it breaks my heart because there are people like yourself and other, and other people like, um, you know, anybody else that, that, that we know personally, or just know of their amazing work um, that are doing really good things and are advocating for things like more diversity for things like, um, you know, having a, a making a better product by having um, uh, people of diverse and different voices and different perspectives add their particular spin to it. Um, these are all good things, but, but, you know, there's a lot of attacking that's going on and it's really upsetting to see, um, it shouldn't happen. And it's weird to be like, okay, you have a book that was published, you know, three years ago, four years ago, has it been that long for, was it 2018? So a couple years ago. Um, and then, and then Chicago by night, I just got my copy the other day. (laughs) So. Um, the people that have written in this book, like yourself, like you are so disconnected from the core book, right? I, did you, I mean, it, it, there's a disconnect there. So, and people have a hard time understanding that disconnect and, and coming at it with good faith, like you said. Yeah. I mean, I, I didn't even write on a core book. Like I don't right. have anything to do with it at all, but because people see my name and associate that with vampire, they just attack and um, it's horrible to be called a Nazi yeah, and not having anything to do with Nazism at all and absolutely right. hating Nazism. Yeah. Like having grandparents who was like a, a active part of the war against Nazis. It's just such a, such a horrible yeah. label to have. And, and that upsets me. And that, that's where maybe my professionalism kind of drops a little bit. <laughs> a bit but it, because that infuriates me to where it should. That's the appropriate response to dealing with that level of bullshit because the Nazis are horrible. And I, I still think back to it to this day. Every time I hear it brought up, I'm like, man, I loved when, uh, I think it was white wolf at the time. Jason Carl literally posted a video that said, Hey, if you're a Nazi, we don't want you in our community. Yeah. Uh, you're not welcome. Like don't spread our hate. Yeah. We don't want your money. You can keep it. You'll be showing the door. And I'm like, yeah, heck yeah. Finally, yeah. someone just said it, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Because there was definitely a big mistake from the book. I'm totally agreeing with that. But the way right. it was approached, it's sometimes like it's the one who yells the loudest who gets the most attention. And I yeah. hate that philosophy. Like, yeah. I mm-hmm. hate that intelligence and care and empathy isn't in the lead when it comes to these kind of things. And then you can sit back and think, well, how can you be empathetic and care when it's Nazism? We have to stop it. But yeah, we do. But sometimes yelling and calling people Nazis is not the way to go about it. Right. Just state your opinion like, like an adult. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And at the end of the day, you know, like you said, this is a role playing game. You know, we're we're essentially playing. We're talking about books that allow people to sit around with friends, roll dice, and play a complex game of pretend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. You know? Exactly. We're not. I mean, if you're if you're teaching if you're getting children to open up with with Dungeons and Dragons, like that story, you know, or if you're helping people to kind of explore, uh, you know, maybe some, some difficult parts of their, of their past with role-playing, you are obviously probably taking part in saving the world a little bit, but at the end of the day, we're not really saving the world with RPG. No. Well, Well, it's not that it was designed to, it's a, it's a potential outcome. Sure. Hey, that's great. Mm -hmm. 
<laughs> you know. I think it makes a big difference for people, like for yeah. a lot of you know people that maybe struggled through school and struggled being themselves. Um, they can jump into a world where they they were someone else. Um, or accepted even, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. But at the end, like it's it's a entertaining medium. That's what it is. But but then again, you have people like hooligans. That watches football and kills people for right. football. Like, it's, yeah. I don't think you can reason with this kind of thing. Like, if people are I passionate can. about something, they will fight to with the tooth and nail, like to protect it and protect their opinion. And and hurt people. Mm-hmm, exactly. Yeah. Well, that's you know that's why we're making a more healthy community overall. Mm-hmm. For um, sure. Yeah. Something yeah, we've, we've been trying to cultivate, at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah, kind of uh, cultivating a culture of of transparency, openness, respect, um, consent, consent. Right. Yeah. Uh, good good faith approach to conversation with people. Um, that's extremely important. And if you're if you're kind of coming at people in bad faith, it's not it's not great. Um, no. So having having it from the other side instead of going, okay, yeah, the loudest, you know, the loudest person is the rightest one. Um, hopefully you know having dissenting voices or at least people who are like okay okay let's we're all sitting at the same table we're all talking about a hobby and a game and a, or a, a product that we love like let's be cool with each other for at least a short period of time that we're talking about it yeah it, i think that that's actually the key word you said right there it's respect like for some reason it, it's when you're on the internet and you're having a fight with someone uh, over something they they did to a book that you disliked it's like you don't have to show them respect for some reason all of a, all of a sudden. Like you don't have to respect the pe- person you are talking to. And again, it's co- your communicative skills. You just throw that out of the window because why would you use it? Um, and I hate that. I hate that the internet gives people like this shield they can yeah. hide behind and like just throw shit at someone and be Keyboard like... Keyboard commandos, yeah. Yeah, there's no consequences for me for doing this. But I bet if you met these people face to face, it would be another story. Um, yeah, I mean, at least yeah. hate my guts for something that, like, you know, is legitimately about my person. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> you know, and a lot of times, some of this comes from I've noticed. This is just my personal observation: is that there's like, there are a lot of people who who want to get into the industry or who want to write for a particular product line or game line, and they love it so much and they, you know, think to themselves, well, I have something to offer greatly to this and God damn it, please take it. Uh, but uh, so and it, a little bit of the, uh, I'm sure a little bit of the frustration and a little bit of the um, aggression probably comes from feeling like they are an outsider or, or that they are gate kept away from, from entering the industry. I think a lot of people are just afraid of, of writing that um, application. They shouldn't be like, just do it. And Maybe you'll, maybe you get won't get an answer to begin with, but maybe in half a year we take up your writing sample again and we're like, hey, we can use this person because she knows this or that about that game, or she has you know a, a, a good way of writing characters or whatever. Um, so don't don't be discouraged. Like better do it than not if you want to get into this industry. Yes, that's great advice. I think everybody should take write, draw, paint. You know, yeah. If, put it out there. If if they love it or hate it, then you know, hey, at least you got an opinion, and it wasn't like, well, that was boring. I'm not even going to say anything about it. Yeah, <laughs> you know, exactly. at least you got a reaction out of somebody. 
it's like you hate it okay cool why tell me because i want to grow or yeah maybe you just didn't like it okay that's not for you don't read horror <laughs> you know what, what can i do to improve it that's that's another one too to ask yeah. okay cool you're not accepting it what is it that i can do to improve it can you you know at least with that email you have one or two emails to kind of pull pearls of wisdom from somebody that you might have a certain level of respect for. So how can I make this better? And then they might answer, they might not, they might, you know, just say, oh, I don't know, never respond, but the opportunity is there. Yeah, exactly. It is. Cool. Well, thank you so much for coming on today and having an awesome. Well, um, you're welcome. Anytime you have, um, which it seems like it's like when all the planets align, you actually have a week <laughs> off, like for what you were saying before. Every two years, maybe? <laughs> no, man. It's not way that long. Um, <laughs> anytime you want to come on and, and chat with us, uh, you're more than welcome to. We had a wonderful time. I had a great time, too. It was, yeah, it was great talking to you guys. We, we hit a lot of interesting subjects. Absolutely. Yeah, great conversation. And I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing the work that you're going to be putting out in the future. Um, and for those who might not know where to find you, you know, where can they find you online and, and what other projects do you have running that you want people to know about? So you can find me. I have a professional Facebook site where you can find me. Um, don't add me on my private one. I'm not going to accept your friend request if I don't know you. <laughs> so just don't. Um, and what I would say, Twitter is probably the best way to get updates about my life and my project. It's xladygamerx. Um, I have a Patreon where you can join our little Discord channel. We have so much fun talking about all kinds of stuff, and we're a small channel, but channel, but we we matter. Cool. <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, and you can support my work for that. It's always appreciated. Freelance writing doesn't exactly pay a lot, and neither does nursing. So it's great to 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 have that kind of support as well. Um, and that's Patreon.com/slash Claire Herbell. Uh, <laughs> let me just check to be sure. Uh, I think it is. Yeah, it is. Yep, yeah, exactly. And I want to promote a project that um, is quite special. It's actually um, the next, Absolutely. You know, next generation of They Came Beyond game. And this is the They Came Beyond from Beyond the Grave, um, which is another creation by Matthew Dawkins. Um, and it is where they came from beyond the sea, which was uh, the predecessor, had more focus on the 50s horror. This is, has more focus on 1970s horror and the 1900s horror. So it is a mixing of like a Van Helsing-esque, like Honda Vendetta, Vendetta style, and like, um, like this... 1970s white color like brown earthy toned romantic like sex focused uh, this this entire like nudity focus of the 1970s horror movies and this um like super wacky themes with like the Dracula showing you around his castle and <laughs> and, and yeah, so you have the good places like, to hide, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And you, and you have like lightning <laughs> cracking outside, and it's uh, <laughs> it's it's like hammer horror. It's it's really it's great, and at the same time, your character you can also play your character in the 1900s, where it's more like uh, Jack the Ripper. Um, you know, through the misty, misty uh, streets uh, of London. Streets right? of London, yeah. Yeah, exactly. footfalls. Yeah, I can hear the exactly. footfalls. Exactly. Yeah. So it's 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 
a game that has a focus on humor, just like they came from Beyond the Sea. So but, cool. Yeah, but it's uh, they came from Beneath the Sea, but it's it's different. It's more, I would say, it's 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 like a Christopher Christopher Lee kind of like yeah, Ingrid Pitt, vampire yeah. lovers, you know, Count, Countess Dracula kind of feeling. To exactly. It. It's there's more there's more like serious note to to the game in a way but it still has a lot of like super interesting and fun mechanics at the same time so if you love that kind of stuff if you love like b horror movies and all that then go for it because that's that's what it's all about it looks I'm ex- super fun yeah, yeah. and I'm, I'm extremely excited for this one because it's, it's one of my favorite film genres is uh kind of 1970s campy horror it it is it is that's exactly what you explained it better than I did. <laughs> um, but we have a lot of awesome writers on it too. Eddie Webb, we have Dixie, right. uh, we have John Burke. We have like a lot of people that are just great. Um, so yeah, pick it up if that's what you're into. Then for sure, pick it up. Where can people find that? When is when when are we when can we see that come out into the world? I don't know. We don't have a date yet. But okay. I can tell cool. you that all of the writers have uh, submitted their drafts. So we are moving forward slowly, as it nice. is with these books. But it's coming. Keep an eye on the Onyx Path website. Um, it will definitely be announced there at some point. Yeah, and we'd love to have um, you or any of the other writers come back to talk about um, They Came From Beyond the Grave, especially mm-hmm. as it uh, more details about it come out that you guys can actually talk about. That would be mm-hmm. a ton of fun. Yeah, which yeah, is really I'm sure, uh, mm-hmm. I'm sure maybe Close we can Kickstarter. make a, a mixed uh, podcast with me and Matthew at some point. That could be that could be quite fun. That would be great. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Clara, thank you so, so much for, for coming on and, and letting us uh, barrage you with so many questions. This has been an excellent conversation. Um, I suggest everybody to follow her um, and to pick up all of the things that she's been working on. Chicago by Night um, is out, and there's a few other ones that are coming in the future, as you just heard. So make sure to look out for that. Um, I want to thank my co-host here, Def Malkavian. Hey. And, uh, yeah, was there anything else that you wanted to you wanted to add? Uh, well... If you are interested in more V5 content, uh, Fall of London is coming out soon, uh, which is a Modifius product, but I've also written a scenario for Fall of London, so check that out. Yeah, I've got the PDF. It's pretty cool. I, I've, oh, that's good. I'm really looking forward to having the physical copy in my hand. Um, so am I. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's it's really cool. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, there's a lot to that, and I'm really excited to get that uh, in the mail. Can't wait to talk to you again. And yeah, maybe once we get the, um, not only the Kickstarter for They Came From, but once um, Fall of London arrives in the mail, um, love to talk to you about that again. Yeah, me too. That would be great. Cool. Well, thank you, Clara. And thank you, everyone, listening to the Gehenna Gaming Podcast. We'll catch you on the next one. Thank you for listening to the Gehenna Gaming Podcast. Your attention has been noted. You can find us online at GehennaGaming.com. On Twitter at Gehenna Gaming, twitch.tv slash Gehenna Gaming, and patreon.com slash Gehenna Gaming. And remember, folks, Liberate Tutemain, Axon Ferris.